those gestural qualities that printed page strips from language come back in the dark. And on the radio. Hello and welcome to The Massage, a series of conversations on culture and technology. I'm Andrew McLuhan, director of the McLuhan Institute. Today, we're speaking with S. Alfonso Williams of Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you so much for giving us your time today, Alfonso. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. That's, it's really my pleasure. I've been, I've been very much looking forward to this, actually. Yes, and likewise, man. It's always good uh, conversing with you and, you know, shooting the dust and all that good stuff. <laughs> <Totally. laughs> um, yeah, wow. So this is great. I've been mostly the people I've been talking to have been people I don't know very well at all. And actually, um, I guess I don't know you very well, but um, I, I feel like, well, we're friends. So, you know, it's it's slightly different. Um, and actually speaking of which we've been Facebook friends. We met via Facebook coming up on two years ago now. Holy moly. Has it been two years? Well, if if you believe Facebook, we became friends in June, 2019. What? That's wild. Oh man. Isn't that wild? And now we have 45 Facebook friends in common. So our networks have grown closer. Holy crap. That's yeah. crazy. That's awesome though. I don't even remember how we connected in the first place, do you? Um I vaguely 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 remember because for me I think it started with a book. It was a book by um actually uh um Gary Janosko. His oh. book on uh Bouldyard and McLuhan. Uh-huh. And I picked the book up from the library. And I was having a little bit of trouble with it because I didn't have any reference on who Marshall McLuhan was. So I had to put it down for a minute. And so I think I decided just to go online and see what was out there about Marshall. Uh And then I think somehow I came across your Twitter account. So I came across the the estates Twitter account. Uh And then I came across your Twitter account. Um, And then... I think somewhere in between there, I realized that you were uh, in a real alive person. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I went uh, on to YouTube from there just to like see what what video and uh, content was out there. And uh-huh. then the video, I think I came across of you, it was you giving a, uh, a lecture about um, having gone through Marshall's library, yeah. I believe. Um, and then I think I just started following the Twitter account from there and, and seeing what you were doing with the, you know, all the poetics and the wordplay. And right. um, it just somehow spiraled from there. Right. That's great. I love that libraries brought us together. Absolutely. And been working, been working at libraries for the past 10 years and now I'm performing a, a radical career change. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so let's, let's pick on that pick up on that for a second. So two years ago, you were introduced to the ideas of Marsha McLuhan via Baudrillard and Jerry Janosko, Gary Janosko. Um, Two years, that was two years ago. Today, I think you know a lot more 
Um, what I, uh, you're such a good friend, honestly, and, uh, and online. Um, I do these weekly live things from my McLuhan Institute Facebook page, and you're just about always the first person there. It's like you're, you're waiting for me to log on and start doing it, and boom, there's S. Alfonso Williams yeah in, man in room and thank you for that i i so appreciate you're you're such a supportive person and and that's so nice of you no man thank you because i mean really it's about you coming into your own so i mean you've i mean i don't know what this is like because nobody is i don't have anybody in my in my family relatively that sort of that comes of uh from that kind of uh I guess lineage or somebody who has done something um, sort of world renowned at that level. Um, mm. I do have a lot of ministers in my family and my, my mom's father, my grandfather, um, he did start a church, you know, from coming from the South um, and, you know, having uh, done a number of jobs, but, um, yeah. you know, he raised his whole family you know, on his pastoral career. Yeah. Um, and as of right now, the, his son is also a preacher, his late son, um, I should yeah. say. Um, and the church is sort of uh, on its way to, <clears throat> to, to being, I guess, uh, foreclosed and, and demolished, unfortunately. Aww. But, but I mean, but apart from that, I mean, that is sort of where I come from yeah. um, historically. But for, for you, you have something that, something much, much larger that, you know, I think for someone who is who is growing up in that um, inside and not outside, you know, you sort of hear things and you, and you learn about it eventually um, as you get older and you hear different people, you know, talk and say different things and you know, yeah. and, and be in conversation with 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 your family. Yeah. Um, but when you really come into the knowledge of what it really is and the weight that it holds. You know, sometimes you, you're faced with that dichotomy. You either want to come to it or you want to move away and, and do your own thing and establish your own identity and, and sense of self. Um, and I think you've sort of talked about having having done just that. You wanted to do your own thing for a while and not really be involved with it. And it was only later um, in working with your father that you came back to it and and mm -hmm. really sort of dug your heels in and wanted to know exactly exactly what it was so i applaud you for you know now having in the middle of doing your second teaching <laughs> expedition i mean that's major stuff you know you did the one which was like already groundbreaking and now you're in the middle of doing the second almost you know almost halfway and um towards completing it yeah. and you're basically you're moving the legacy forward in your own way. Well, this is, is the, this is the thing. And um, I think that's why I'm comfortable where I am because I realized that, uh, because there is that, that, that double urge, the urge to, to break away and do your own thing. And yet mm -hmm. the urge to, um, to keep something alive that, you know, I almost feel I've been entrusted with or has been left to me. You know, if I don't do it, who is going to? Um, yeah nobody really um at least not um uh, in the way that i would have it done right so right. um and if you want it done a certain way you have to do it yourself so i think i think where i've found the happy medium if you will 
um, <laughs> is in realizing that I can do both. I yes. can carry it forward and I can do it my own way. And in fact, that's really the only way to do it. Exactly. Really. Um, all other roads lead to lead to some kind of ruin, I think. Right. Um, but I'm interested in that from your perspective, actually, because um, although maybe my grandfather was a little more famous than yours, um, you certainly have a lineage. Uh, your mother, from what I've seen, is a very impressive person. Yeah, man, my mom is uh, my mom is quite the person. She's uh -huh. uh, yeah, she's really she's really my backbone, man. Um, she. She so she's a she's a minister. She went to Princeton Theological Seminary, um, wow. and we sort of followed her to different different places along her her pastoral journey. Wow. Um, and now she she pastors a, a church in in New York, but um, in yeah, New York City, um, in in Albany. Okay, in Albany. Um, but for me, you know, it, again it wasn't really until later that I really started to understood, to understand what she had done with the course of her life, right. you know, up until now, you know, raising two kids solo, you know, having to take them wherever she went um, and still trying to, you know, provide and in, in, in flourish in, in what she was trying to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, she when you, when I listen to her sermons, you know, she's so. I mean, she would probably be very, you know, extremely modest. But for me, you know, when I listen to the content of her sermons, and you know how she speaks her discourse and the tone that she speaks her discourse in, um, man, she's she is the you know penultimate scholar to me. Yeah, you know she she doesn't bang you over the head with academic stuff. That's not her thing. Yeah. She is trying to get to the heart and soul of the congregation, you know, through all parts of, um, of the service, you know, and especially the sermon. I mean, mm -hmm. She is, she knows how to relate to the people, you know, and that's, that's the quality that I really, really, um, enjoy from her and you know it's i want to i want to collect her sermons all yeah. of her sermons one day you know and just get them all together so i've been i've been bugging her and nudging her to 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 save them so you know she's different from a lot of other pastors in that she writes her sermons um and for me that's a big deal because there is a there is a very long and strong tradition tradition um, especially in the black church um, of being strictly uh, oratorical, just verbal coming off the top of the head. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. You know, I don't put anything against that at all. Sure. Um, but there is a certain something that occurs um, with the written word. And then what happens with that with the preservation of that word through the future. Mm -hmm. Because unlike some of those other preachers who, if it wasn't recorded, it's lost to time. I still have my mother's sermons. Yeah. 
so I can preserve those and put them in some sort of uh, book or folder or whatever and have them as they are. And even if I wanted to, the recordings and have them together in, you know, indefinitely for, to do, you know, what I want. Have you, have you spoken with her about uh, why she chooses to write her sermons rather than speak more extemporaneously? Um, I don't think I've asked her directly uh, that question yet. Uh, maybe that is something I will do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I would guess, man, it's just really just, you know, what she feels most most comfortable with. Sure. Um, you know, part of, I guess, maybe her, her training or, yeah. um, you know, probably a, a various number of different things. And so for yourself, have you ever felt... Um, like you should maybe follow in her footsteps? Um, I think maybe in a certain way I have with the stuff that I do. Okay. Um, with, with the writing that I do. I don't know that I could necessarily go into um, into the pastoral tradition per right. se. Um, but it is my desire to reach people reach the core of people through you know be it writing or the arts or you know film or whatever the case may be i want to get to a person and get them to um be affected and affected yeah so that they can have some sort of catalyst to want to do something hopefully something in, in a, in a positive direction that, you know, leads to some sort of self-reflection or, or uh, impetus to, to change the environment around them. Um, But that's the way that I would say that I've inherited what she does, you know, the desire to, to reach and get to the the core and the hearts of, of people. And so who are you trying to reach? Um, I guess anybody, man, really that'll, that'll listen. So it's not, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, we're all, you know, we're all here on, on, in, in social media world and, you know, trying to get out of a certain sense of maybe isolation, you know, which is paradoxical with being connected all at once. Um, but I guess for me, you know, the way that I look at the world, there's a lot of things that could be different. And all it takes is just a simple thought, um, a simple change of change of mind state, yeah. mind frame. But that simple change is something so incredibly difficult for some people because for them, it's the whole world flips upside down and, and, and morphs into something that's unintelligible and something, I guess, maybe frightful, you know, unfamiliar. So there's a lot of resistance in the type of subjectivity that occurs in human beings. So with human beings, you know, being these really, really strange uh, beings with a certain very particular type of like autonomy and agency. You know, it's, it's like 
it's like water, you know, it's, but it's water, it's like water, but it's more. A human being can, in essence, do what it wants, when it wants, without being necessarily provoked by its environment. You know, if I want to go to the store and get a bag of chips, I can do that. If I want to go to the movies and watch a film, I can do that. If I want to um, go online and watch videos about Marshall McLuhan, I can do that. You know, that's totally different from, let's say, for example, the life of a, uh, a cell, a biological cell. Uh-huh. That cell is of a certain ontology. Its nature of being is to do a particular thing and perform that indefinitely for its lifespan so even though it may be organic it is its autonomy and agency is restricted in a very particular way so it may have latitude because it has because it's working within an environment that allows it to function with other cells in a particular way that allow for adaptation and evolution Mm. what is it's, a, it's still restricted within the global system. Well, as we all are, I think. Right. Human beings, though, are at a different scale of being, you know, a sort of, we'll call them an emergent subject. Um, they are wrapped up the, the total expression of all of these microcellular and subatomic um, conglomerates, assemblages. So when they desire to do something, they are not restricted in the same way that a cell or an organ or a uh, an organ set is. So it's different and it has different effects sure. if we want to think about that in terms of, of mediation. Um, so yeah. So you said you said with the writing that I do, and you write a lot about a lot of things. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I feel like um, your interests are so so diverse that I didn't even bother trying to describe you at the f- at the head of the program. How <laughs> would you how would you describe yourself? Really, all I would say is that. You know, I'm just, I'm somebody out here in the world trying to figure this thing out like everyone else. Um, if I had to give it a formal description, you know, the the word that I feel that most aptly fits yeah. is an interlocutor. Okay, good. I was going to ask you about that because you use this word a lot. Yeah. So what does interlocutor mean to you? For me, this means, this is, for me specifically, it's a direct result of my lifestyle. So as you know, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not an academic, you know, even though I have a a very strong interest in psychoanalysis, I'm not an analyst. Um, You know, I'm not, I'm not in any formal sphere of um, education in terms of teaching or anything of that sort. I am, (laughs) I guess you could say I'm constantly redirecting my life due to various you know contingencies that seem to that seem to happen so right now um, you know as i mentioned before i'm in the middle of a a career change yeah so for the past 10 years i've been working as a a circulation assistant 
uh, in an art library. And even before that, all through college, I was working in the college libraries. Um, but when COVID hit, things got a little unstable and unsure. So I had to make a decision. Um, in the course of making that decision, I decided to change my job track altogether and work in a hospital. Yeah. Now that I'm here in a hospital, I really enjoy working in the hospital environment. Okay. So now I'm trying to further my education so that I can find some sort of um, clinical uh, foothold yeah. uh, in the system. So, right. so right now, basically, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. But with that, um, that's all that also means that everything that I've been doing like the past seven years in terms of, you know, all the all the writing with, about on, on philosophy and, and psychoanalysis and all that stuff um, has to be put on the back burner. Mm. Because now I'm, I'm more than neck deep in <laughs> a lot of math and science. Yeah. And the last time I've formally taken this stuff is pre 2002. So in addition to studying for my um, my medical assistance degree that I'm working on now, I'm also pre-studying for pre-med classes that I will eventually take after I finish this two-year degree. Really? So I'm pre-studying for the classes so that when the classes come, I can be more uh, familiar and acclimated and it won't feel as foreign. Right. If that makes any sense, it does. It does make sense. It's it's pretty intense, but it makes it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so this is like where uh, my, so my headspace is. Uh, yeah. So I, I not necessarily. I don't. I'm not saying I I I want to go the Clint the the physician route. So to okay. to med school and to try and be a, a some sort of a doctor but I do want a career in the medical field. And there's a lot of different careers out there. So sure. um, I'm trying my hardest to, to, to make that happen. Do you have um, any idea of, of where you might want to land in that wide field? Um, I'm, not totally, I'm not totally sure just yet. I know medical assistance will sort of give me the foundation that I need to to be in contact with a lot of different people um, right. in the clinical field. So nurses, doctors, um, respiratory therapists, um, physical therapists, um, you know, the whole, the whole slew of folks. So being in that environment, I'll be able to talk to different people uh, a little bit more than I am now um, yep. in, the, in the position that I'm in, um, which will um, give me more information and, and probably a, a better feeling of what the inner dynamics are like. Uh -huh. So, so that's, that's the goal. You mentioned that um, you studied previously, I believe it was Case Western. Yeah. Yeah. So Case Western University, Case Western Reserve University is uh, my alma mater. So I was there from 2002 to 2008. Initially, I had gone in there to study uh, computer science. Wow, because, really? Because my heart, it wasn't, my heart was really like in game design 
but arts focused. So growing up, the arts were my thing, specifically, you know, art and music. So yeah. my my mind was was uh was oriented toward fusing the the technological with my art background. Mm-hmm. Because I chose to go to case, um, they ended up giving me the the most money. So <laughs> instead of going to an arts school, yeah. Um, but in taking the first class toward the first general ed class toward that major, um, I realized that even with two years of programming experience in high school, I wasn't ready. I was not ready for um, that particular class. So I realized that I needed to change track immediately. (laughs) Otherwise it was going to be a pure disaster. (laughs) So So I ended up changing my major to art history and sociology wow um and and how what did you eventually graduate with um i I graduated with a a bachelor in in those two degrees um but but by the time that i finished um i didn't really know i didn't have a sense of direction of what was not just going to happen next but supposed to happen next right and so there's a there's a number of reasons for that resulted uh, that caused that, um, but because that was the case, that was when I decided to figure out that I just needed to work and just start paying off these loans. Yeah. That was the, that was the mindset that I fell into because of that. Uh, you know that uh, I didn't know what what was what was a uh, the next move. Yeah. So I started working at um, a library across town for about a year and a half, a county library, uh, just as a, a library page. So pretty much I was reshelving books and, uh, you know, keeping the shelves looking nice and nice and neat. Um, so I did that for about a year and a half. And then Which I is put- funny because I've seen your apartment around yeah. <laughs> your apartments. <laughs> I don't yeah. think we own a single bookshelf. It's so bad, man. <laughs> I, I have, I do have, I have three full cases and a and a half case. Um, yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I, my mind was like, okay, let me buy the books first, and then I'll buy the shelves. I'll buy the shelves later. Uh, right. Two thousand books later, I still only have. <laughs> still only have the three and a half cases <laughs> but um but yeah so after graduating i decided to I, I found the one library page job did that for a year and a half yeah and then landed at the job that i was at for the past 10 years uh in 2010 um yeah that was it which is where you were when we first met each other, you had been experimenting. You'd been coming into film a little bit more. You were doing these really cool shorts, but I haven't seen anything in that way for a while. Yeah, so I've had an interest in filmmaking, um, I would say since 2014. Yeah. 24, in 2014, I sort of had a, uh, uh, I guess an, an arts crisis. I didn't yeah. feel like I had anything to say. So musically, I was playing guitar but I was trying to switch guitar um, 
styles, I guess you could say. Yeah. So my my background at the time was a little bit more more metal. Yeah. And I was trying to move towards a more um, like gospel R and B. Really. Um, Why? Uh, type of because there was a certain skill set in that type of playing that I needed. Okay. Um, you know, Coleman, especially when it came to to like jazz and comping and being able to move and, and transition um, through chord changes. That's yeah. a very specific skill set that is different from um, like rock and metal playing. So a lot of those guitars um, would likely compose a solo or just improvise um, over a, a certain sort of set of changes. Yeah. But when a when a jazz soloist is soloing through um, jazz changes, it's a different kind of thing. Yeah. It's a different, a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, the language is a little bit different. Sure. So, and the, the, the methodology of working through that language is different. So it has to be approached using uh, a different strategy. Mm-hmm. And even though there's a lot of there's a lot of musicians, there's a lot of good musicians in in Cleveland. Um, but I think in from in a lot of places, it's difficult to find a guitar player with those styles beyond, I would say, the church. So I mean, you can find a lot of guitar players that know how to you know again play metal, play rock. Um, you know, the sort of uh, indie guitar. But if you're looking for that particular kind of style, you know, the army styling, the gospel um, styling, the the jazz uh, styling, it can sometimes be a little bit difficult. Um, you'll, you'll much more easily find keyboard players, um, bass players and, and drummers before you find a, a, a guitar player of that, of that background. So in not being able to find that sort of support, I decided to just go cold, tur- cold turkey, put it down all together. Huh. With, with fine art, drawing and, and, and painting and sort of all that sort of stuff, it was a similar thing. I felt like I'd hit a wall. So I put that down as well. Wow. Um, so in 2014, that was really when I just start, decided to go, you know, head first into the books, into philosophy, into psychoanalysis right. and and experience what I felt like I had sort of been missing being very extremely focused on the arts. Cause I was reading, but not really reading to the depth that I really desired. Yeah. And then you turned more to writing for your expression. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was, and that wasn't even necessarily a, a choice thing. That was the way it, that was the way the energy moved, I guess I would, I would say. Yeah. So even though it aesthetically looked different, it was still uh, the same energy in, inside. Mm-hmm. So it's still the, the same creative force, uh, you know, ebbing and flowing and, and just moving. So, so for me, it, there was no, there was no difference. It was still fine art. It was still music. Right. 
So your blog is called Theory and Analysis. Yes. And I think I, I feel like you've you've really moved kind of more toward this interlocutor um, yeah. identity from theory and analysis. Yeah. Uh, again, when I when I made that choice to choose that name, it was a spontaneous decision. Yeah. It felt right at that moment. Um, now, uh, I do feel differently. I think part of the reason for that was I was unable to see that the way I was going about um, using that particular combination of words and the way that I was explaining things, yeah. I wasn't getting the effect back that I wanted. And it, I think it took me a little bit of time to, to realize that because I wasn't trying to give theories per se about things that I was either, you know, seeing or experiencing or had ideas about. I was just trying to frame it in a particular way that was, that seemed productive to me. Productive yeah. just beyond the words and the explanation itself. Productive in hopefully with the intent to be able to change something in my environment. Um, but I, the responses that I was getting back was a lot of, I guess, a lot of mimicry. So more, I was getting back more technical language and more sort of, I guess for lack of a better word, you know, academically framed responses. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, what are you saying? Like, <laughs> like this is like, this is it. And I'm just trying to explain it the best way that I can efficiently. So sometimes that means using technical language from philosophy, yeah. but it's not necessarily, it didn't necessarily mean that I was trying to be philosophical. So for me, there's a difference between for example, using philosophical language to make a point in a technical way, because that's the language that needs to be used in that context. Mm -hmm. And being philosophical as an entire uh, viewpoint. Right. So the, the former was what I was trying to go after. But it took me a while to see that people were receiving it as the latter. Yeah. So that's when I decided, you know, within the past, uh, when was it? It's been like six months or something, something like that. I decided to change my Twitter name altogether to something entirely different. Uh, Dear Parmenides. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so <laughs> go ahead. Well, um, I, you know, I'm a father. I see diaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time that I'm realizing now that yes, that is totally uh totally visible there. I didn't notice that until now. Oh That's really? Hilarious. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. I love yeah, it though. You know, you'll catch a lot of shit for that, maybe. 
I love it, man. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. But yeah, so that was again another spontaneous choice. Um, so for those who know, you know, Parmenides is a seminal figure in philosophy um, when it comes to the question of being. So he was sort of like a, a, a critical marker in philosophical history. Okay. And adding the prefix dia means through or beyond. So combining those two is in essence to go beyond Parmenides so, or to go beyond a certain marking point, I would say for me. And, and if, you, if you're punning inclined like I am, you <laughs> being full of poop. <laughs> yes, a uh, uh, being full of a. Uh... I'm sorry. Full of not so turn, Alfonso. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are it's being totally my fault. We are being. Are, are, are we? Uh, are we not not cursing? I <laughs> know. Oh, whatever. Okay, we are indeed beings full of shit. We well, are all full of shit, I, literally. I, I think you have some fertile avenues of exploration there. Oh yes, very fertile. It's, it's fermenting and everything, turning uh -huh. and going through all kinds of gastric juices and all that stuff. So, so, very... <laughs> so then, what is Blake's dungeon? Blake's dungeon is um, it's a conglomerate of of creative resources by um the owner is blake and um they they're they were originally based in ohio okay and um he's out in california now but i met him after seeing black panther um i saw the film with my family and we went out to uh, a restaurant and he was our server and in serving us, he told uh, us about a publication. No kidding. <laughs> that, he, that he was working on. And so he gave me his card. And afterwards, you know, after I got home, I went online and, and, and you know, tried to see what it was and all that. And I was intrigued. So this was, so right after, so right after that, um, I hit him up and said that, you know, there was, there was a lot of uh, content areas in the magazine that, um, that were open for writing for. And the area that I felt was a good fit for me was film reviews. So uh -huh. since then, um, I've been contributing film reviews uh, for the past four, four issues or so, four or five. Um, so it, the magazine comes out quarterly um, and you can find it at blakesdungeon.com, B-L-A-K-E-S-D-U-N-G-E-O-N.com. Um, and yeah, so people, it's a, it's a magazine sort of based in um, uh, all, all minorities, all um, uh, sexual identities and uh, just diversity all the way around. So that's the the foundation. It's a voice, a medium for those voices to to shine through. 
Um, so if so, for those who might be interested in um, uh, in writing for uh, a magazine, um, they should go to the website and um, and just just check it out. And the tab for um, all the different areas that that would be open for um, writing for an issue uh, are there. Huh. So they should go there, check it out, explore. Um, yeah, and the 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 Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is, I believe, the same thing, Flex Dungeon. But all that, Good. yeah. But all that is on is on the website. So people, folks, should definitely go check it out. Shout out to Blake. I've been meaning to ask you about that because I, I haven't looked it up. But um, you know, I had to skim your profile for the first yeah. time in a long time and yeah, noticed yeah. it there, and I thought Blake's Dungeon. What's what's that all about? Mm-hmm. Uh. Now, you and I have a friend in common. Well, a, a couple, of, apparently 45. Like 45. <laughs> uh, but um, a couple of those friends are Vanessa Sinclair. Yes. And her partner, uh, and Carl Abramson. Abramson? Abramson, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I have to stop for a second because I just happened to look out my window and somebody is legit riding a horse up my lane. Wow. And that's not something I see every day. That's interesting. Wow. That'll, that'll throw you off your train of thought. Uh, yeah, I've never seen somebody ride a horse up my road before. That's different. Uh, what, is that, what does that mean? Just as I brought up Vanessa and Carl, that's kind of funny. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the four of us are attempting to what create a fifth mind or something. Anyway, we have some kind of nebulous project that is sort of coming together into something or other. It's very, it's all very vague at the moment, but I'm I'm really excited to be collaborating with the four of us to whatever indeterminate thing it's going to end up being. Uh, you, of course, have your plate very, very, well, we all have our plates full, so um, yeah. it's, it's, it's slow going, but that's okay. It's there. Yes. Yes. They'll have to, they'll have to wait in, in, in suspension um, while we, while we sort of coalesce and, 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 and get our, get ourselves together. But yes, we were, we are putting a, a top secret, clandestine esoteric project together right. um, that will it, it it is my desire to to hopefully get it out maybe even next year okay well so I, i'm sure i'm sure it'll come together there's there's no stress the the intent intention does a lot you know yes um but since you mentioned the esoteric uh i wanted to ask you about it yes the, the esoteric <sighs> um well I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that a very open sort of prompt <laughs> gotcha yes so you brought up vanessa and carl um two people that are very near and dear to me um man so vanessa was the one who brought me into the world of podcasting ah and so yeah that was back in like 2019 october or November the first very early November 2019 I think okay and, so you've known her longer than you've known me yeah I think just just by a hair cool but um 
yeah, when, when she invited me, I felt weird because I was like, man, who, man, who am I? Because I think, <laughs> I, I think at that point I was, you know, I had made a number of contacts uh, in terms of psychoanalytic folk, yeah. folk who were in that community. Um, so I can't remember how she, how she came across me, but, um, yeah, she extended the invite and I was like, in my mind, I was like, man, I'm like, I'm nobody, you know, amid all the people that she would had already talked with. Sure. You know, um, but I ended up, you know, accepting the invite and, and being indoctrinated into, into that kind of a world because, yeah that was the first time for me uh, expressing, trying to figure out how to express all of that stuff that I had been writing about on my own, publicly on social media, but talking to nobody with, right. if that makes any sense. So yeah. I'm writing it and it's out there, but like in my own immediate sphere, yeah, I'm you know, <laughs> I'm not talking about that stuff with anybody. You know, I'm going to work, I'm coming home and I'm reading and I'm going to bed. That's it. So trying to figure out how to in my mind talk with her about it, but not just like talk about it, you know, having a little bit of, I guess you could say, imposter syndrome, you know, talk about it at a level that is in as engaging as some of the other scholars that she uh that she has spoken with. Um, you know, and to a large extent, I'm still trying to figure that out now because my, my situation is a little, a little, uh, <laughs> unconventional, I guess, to, to say the least, because I don't have any books out. Yeah. Um, all I have is the content that I've been, uh, you know, putting out through social media and on my website. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's spontaneous, but it's not easily accessible in a comprehensive kind of way not in the same way as as a book you know so somebody who were to come across a twitter post or a facebook post of mine might be a little lost in terms of context because they haven't seen what's come before to get maybe a, a greater understanding of the direction that i'm trying to go um and that's something that you know i try to keep it to keep under consideration uh, daily and every day. So as I move forward now, I'm trying to change direction a little bit and move towards uh, just short publications, you know, like short, like 25 words, 2,500 words or less um, of, of just things to talk about somewhere uh, at some point. So right. I'll still, you know, be doing the writing that I normally do, but just, um, but something a little bit more concentrated and um, uh, in a more accessible domain. So with that, that's where Still Point Magazine sort of comes into this conversation. Oh. Um, God bless the, the crew at Still Point because they commissioned me to write the article um, that I did for them. <clears throat> Um, on blackness and signification. Ah. Yeah. So um, I love the crew 
at Still Point Magazine, and they're doing fantastic things. So everybody should also go check out them as well. Uh, Still Point Mag, uh, either Still Point Mag or Still Point Magazine um, online. Uh, awesome people, awesome magazine, awesome content. Um, they're on their, their latest issue now, uh, Desire. And yeah, it's fantastic. Also, people should go check out um, Vanessa and Carl's websites. Uh, you can get to them, uh, www.trapart, T-R-A-P-A-R-T dot, um, dot net, I believe. Uh, I think you're right. Dot net. Now, me being the word person and as we've already seen today, perverse when it comes to words, apparently. Um, <laughs> when I first saw that, I thought, trap art. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that too. I did notice that too. I was like, that is very interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, okay, trap art, huh? That's, that's an interesting <laughs> concept. <laughs> yes, man. That All sorts of imaginative uh, flurries going on in my head right no yeah oh my god and i don't know if you've seen that that trap tune god crystals you know i can heal the world with my crystals oh geez i'm gonna i'm gonna send this to you it's gonna blow your mind it's got like I i think you did i think you did back in the day i think i think you did send it to me uh it's after i'll have to watch it again yeah it's too much (laughs) <laughs> yeah but no man people should also go to their website man they they publish they man they have yeah. a they have a, a patreon account where they're constantly doing new things they have projects and projects and projects it's ridiculous and publications and publications yeah. oh yeah the wazoo they're into all kinds of stuff and um and they hold down careers at the same time it's it's yes. it's really impressive vanessa uh, I know she's listening and blushing and saying you guys or whatever, but <laughs> that's it. her, her cut up, her collage um, yes. stuff is so, Vanessa, we love you. Your stuff. Is yes, so we do. Uh, and Carl with his, um, the Fenris Wolf and um, all their work. Uh, very, very, I've only, you know, scratched the surface of it, but it's, uh, it's all very, very interesting for me. Yes, he is very, very deep into magical anthropology. Uh-huh. Um, man, though he is the one to go to. They are the ones to go to if you want to um, get into magic. You know, the history of magic and what magic means, you know, beyond the superficial stuff that people normally associate. Exactly. With. And I find that stuff very fascinating myself. Yes. So, yeah, man. I mean, there's there's just so many folks out there doing so many great creative things. And, you know, that's, you know, we have to give technology credit. It's allowed everybody the opportunity to find something new every day, yeah. you know, beyond their normal uh, um, comfort zone or uh, beyond the redundancy of, their normal lives you know the opportunity to to become more is always there you Mm -hmm. know there's no i mean 
there's no essential reason, even if even if it's only a virtual experience, there's no reason to have to feel that you're only left with the redundancies of your everyday life. So yeah. while that does mean you're going deeper into the virtual world and maybe a little bit disconnected from the physical, there are still ways to bring back into the physical what you've experienced in the virtual. You can still bring back the, the things that you learn and experience from there into the personal, um, interpersonal, uh, uh, you know, daily communications that you, you have with, with people at work or wherever the case that you, you know, that you traverse. So uh -huh. it, there is a, feed, a positive feedback loop that can happen from that. So it doesn't have to be a negative. No, you're quite right. Um, and you know, this is, I suspect this is one of the things that Vanessa finds um, so interesting about you that I do as well is, um, you know, you say you're not an academic uh, mm. and I'm not an academic either, mm. um, but you're, you have an overwhelming curiosity and you're always, you're always learning. Yes. Uh, and that's, it's so wonderful to see and your enthusiasm for it. And speaking of feedback loops, the way you, um, you do something with it, you know, because uh, you can just spend your life researching and researching. But as you were just saying, um, the point is to, to bring it back and to embody it and to do something with it. Uh, and that's what's, that's what's really cool about you, I think, is, uh, and your enthusiasm and your laughter and everything goes a long way as well. Absolutely, man. I mean, again, I mean, for me, when I read Marshall's work, that's what speaks to me. That's the, the essence that I get from him, even if he doesn't necessarily say it directly. You yeah. know, when he speaks about media and all the different types of, um, transformations that occur through media and all of the experiences that he has had um, through the course of his lifetime, you know, moving through academia, moving through the popular world, you know, working with advertising agencies and businesses, you know, through his ideas, trying to get people to understand um, what media really means that what it means to have an environment that is you know living and breathing and responding to you who is also a medium um you know imparting all sorts of uh contingencies upon it um that's what i see and that's what i hear when i you know the medium is the message that's what that means to me it means you know, to coin the popular phrase, be the change you want to see, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. You know that, you know, it's kind of funny. I, there's, there's a funny reversal there. And I think the cool thing about you is that you're not an academic. And the cool thing about Marshall was that he actually was an academic. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys have in common is, um, you know, as he said in 65, I don't explain, I explore. 
Absolutely. Um, it's the exploration. Yes. Uh, exploration. I think I think we should start an explorers club. I'm and down. You would be a, a charter member for sure. <laughs> I'm definitely down. Yeah. That, man, and this that's like a whole conversation in itself. Um, and again, that is part of why I changed changed my Twitter handle because you know whether the whether the domain is science or um, scholarship, academic scholarship, or wherever, you know those are all very particular methodologies and modes of thinking that produce very specific effects when you work in an academic model, you're working within a certain type of system that is built on just creating a plethora of ideas that bounces back, that bounce back and forth between everybody who's in that sphere. So there's just, there's an endless amount of creation that goes on in that sphere. Same thing with science. Um, you know, their work, their methodology is a little bit different, um, but the the core of it is is still the same. They're working with a very particular methodology. You know, we could we we'll just say you know the scientific method um, that, when followed, creates certain types of effects. So, effects like the technology we're using right now. Um, effects like, you know, E equals MC squared and all of these sorts of things. So, but those are not the only ways of thinking. There are as many ways of thinking as there are people because nobody thinks the same. And what that means is that everybody has a, a perspective that they can put to use and create certain ideas and products that can be um, formulated to, to join with any number of, of thoughts, other thoughts or ideas. Mm -hmm. So that is the point of exploration. It means you go out there and you do, and then you see what happens and then you respond to it. You're not coming with preconceived ideas or a an entire methodolo methodological approach that you're trying to put content in a box to. Yeah. You are going into a black hole and then you don't know what you're going to experience in that black hole. And then whatever happens is what you bring back. The black hole puts stuff into you and then it's it's up to you to figure out what to do with it, and that's that's what I that's what I go off of every day. That's the the fuel that keeps me keeps me burning every day because I know every day that I wake up is going to be something different. There's always something to to dig into, to create, to think about, you know, the whole nine. So there's no shortage. I love that so much, um, and I love that. That's not frightening for you. Never. What? How? How do you do it without being terrified? I, I, I think this is because, especially in the last year, 
Mm-hmm. We've, we've all been confronted by so much change. And what's, what's so great, what's really inspiring about your case, Alfonso, is that you jumped into the void. You know, the, mm-hmm. the job change, uh, you had to figure out something else. You not only figured it out, but you just, you went full bore into it and you decided, you know, you went career mode into it and you really made the best of it. And and like you say, you start off every day hungering to leap into the void. But I think for so many people, this is terrifying. Mm. And, and how might people leap into the void without terror, but with the joy that you do? Man, I just listen to my gut every day. I listen to my gut. Um, that instinct, that voice, you know, lingering in the in the back of your head, I would say, trust it. Yeah. Trust it. You have to trust it. You have to have that that leap of leap of faith. Um, and just go with it. And it might, you know, it might take you to it will take you to some uncomfortable places, but that's where you need to be in order to grow. You have to grow. You have to grow. You don't want to stay in the same in the same trenches that you've that you've been in. Otherwise the, the world is gonna start to look and smell very ugly. Yeah. You know, like wearing the same clothes, you know, without washing for a whole month straight. It's not gonna work. You can't you're not gonna go into work and not have somebody tell you that you're full of shit. <laughs> it's all back. <laughs> Alfonso, this has been so great speaking with you. I think that's the perfect place to end it for today. Thank you so much for, for joining us and for your your wisdom and and everything else. We appreciate you. Thank you, Alfonso. Man, I appreciate you more. Thank you. Uh congratulations on the on the journey the journey that you're going on right now uh, i wish you all the all the blessings and, and encouragement and support and i got you back all the way the whole nine okay take care all right